Welcome, everyone, to the Hot Esquina Podcast, episode 25, the Glaber Torres episode, or the Mark Teixeira episode, or the Jason Giambi episode. You can go as far back as you want. We got a great episode for you. We are going to recap the split in the Red Sox series. Uh, me and Enrique will discuss the six All-Stars that are going to the Midsummer Classic. Uh, we will also discuss, you know, the future of the Yankees pitching staff and what potential signings, promotions, trades, and what that could look like. Uh, we'll also have Clay Snowden from the Just Baseball podcast join us later on in the show to talk Reds-Yankees series and potential trades and moves that can possibly be made. We got a great show. We'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. First off, Yankees split with the Pirates, losing 5 2 in game one and then winning 16 nothing in game two. But uh, I immediately want to get right into this Red Sox series. Yankees split. With the Red Sox, uh, it felt like this whole series that it was the Yankee score, Red Sox score, and it was that was the constant theme. Donaldson hit a grand slam, and Hicks hit a solo home run on the very next pitch. The Yankees scored five in the top of the third, and in the bottom of the third, you know they get a two-run home run off of uh, Garrett Cole's kryptonite, Rafael Devers, to make it five-two, and in the top of the fifth. Very awkward situation happens where uh, Trevino hits a pop fly with Hicks on third base. He hits a pop fly all the way up to, you know, sky high between the pitcher and first base. And Franchi Cordero just can't seem to track the ball. And it 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 gets right by him. And it, he never even touches it before it hits the ground. It should have been, you know, an easy out. But uh, instead, you know, they, they credited Trevino with a, with a double and an RBI because it, it never touched him. And so you can't credit him with an error. And that made it 6-2. And in the following half inning, again, like I was saying, you know, Kryptonite struck again with, with Rafael Devers uh, hitting a three-run home run off Garrett Cole. Even after Matt Blake had gone, in, gone over to Cole to try to tell him how to pitch to Rafael Devers, he still hits a three-run home run off Garrett Cole and uh, made it 6-5. to five. And then that was the rest of the scoring for the rest of the game. You know, Garrett Cole kept pitching and he ended up still going six innings strong. Like I was mentioning before, you know, Boone likes to leave in his starters, even after they're in trouble to kind of, you know, push them to keep, you know, getting better instead of having a, a quick trigger to take them out. You know, he went six innings, five earned, but it pushes ERA back up to 3.27. Uh, the Yanks would hold on though to win. Like I was saying before, after three great shot innings from Wandy King and Holmes, you know, Holmes getting his 16th save of the season in game two, Yanks picked up right where they left off, you know, starting off the game with four runs right off the bat, uh, you know, and, and Donaldson again, you know, Glaber Torres hit an RBI single to start the game and, uh, you know, make it one nothing. And then Donaldson hit a three run home run in the top of the first to continue, you know, his, his great series. He, he was absolutely dominant in the series. It, it was incredible. Um, and that made it four nothing after one, but like I was telling you before, in the, in the next half, bottom of the first, Christian Vasquez hit a, hit a nice double and make it four to two. Uh, and then, you know, Matt Carpenter, I, I, I don't know. 
I don't even know how it's possible, but Matt Carpenter has just been on another level ever since he's become a Yankee. He has found a swing and plus some. He looks like the Matt Carpenter of like 2013 where he was one of the toughest outs in baseball. Uh, he has just been incredible. The stash is holding all the power for him. You know, he he gets a nice double, and, uh, you know, making it five to two. And uh, we get to the top of the third and weird situation happens here where, you know, we have uh, men on, on second and third. And Joey Gallo comes up and he hits a high fly ball all the way to right field. And it looks like Joey Gallo is going to get his third career sack fly RBI. And then you're looking out and then you see Christian Arroyo had never even tracked the ball. He looks absolutely petrified to be out there. He's looking up to the sky with his hands out, looking for any sort of help to see where that ball went. He couldn't find it. It goes right past him. Hicks and Trevino had scored. Gallo rounded third, trying to get an inside-the-park home run, but he ends up getting caught uh, on a nice relay, and he 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 was gunned down at the plate, but it's still marked down officially as a triple, and that made it a 7-2 game. And then in top of the fourth, the very next inning, Matt Carpenter again, like I was just telling you, it's just it, it seems like he, he's just unstoppable right now. He, he hits a home run, making it 8-2, and it just it just kept getting more uh, more and more interesting and more fun, you know. And later on in that inning, uh, a bad throw by by Christian Vasquez made it nine two because Donaldson came around to score. And then, but like I said, you know, the Red Sox just kept battling back, and uh, you know, almost almost made it a, a close game again with you know back to back home runs off of Cortez, you know, from Trevor Story and Bobby Dahl back, and then an RBI ground out from Xander. Quickly, it was nine to five, and uh, you know it, it was a close game. And you know they had to pull Nestor Cortez, who only had three and two thirds, but eight hits off him, four earned. You know he has a two point seven four ERA still. Uh, they took him out early enough to 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 save him, and he's the one pitcher where I understand where Boone's effect can't work with him because you have to save up his innings as much as possible. You know, you still have half a season left, but you know, the bullpen was absolutely dominant. Lucas Lickie, uh, I, I, I tip my hat off to him uh, after Castro and Abreu, you know, did two innings on their own, uh, you know, combined. Uh, Lickie comes in and he was incredible. He, he went almost as, as long as, as Nestor did. He went three and a third of only one hit total and six strikeouts uh, lowering his ERA to 2.70. He saved the bullpen. The Red Sox put in a position player, which was the second time this week the Yankees have faced a position player. And, uh, you know, kind of Fuefa worked an RBI walk, making it 12-5, and that's how the Yankees won this game. Um, going into the third game, that was a tough one to swallow. Uh, on national television, Yanks lost 6-5 to five in, ten, in 10 innings. Um you know, Red Sox started off on a one nothing lead, and then Aaron Hicks again, who's been, you know, hitting two ninety six ever since June first. Um, but he had a home run, his sixth on the year, making it one one. Rizzo double, making it two one. Donaldson again capitalizing in Boston, another RBI single, making it three one. And then Rob Refsnyder, former Yankee, had was was on a tear this uh, this series. He was incredible. Uh, he had a home run, making it 3-2. Verdugo tied it up in the bottom of the eighth, making it 3-3. Off of Clay Holmes, 
And I felt like right there, the Yankees started to lose their momentum. But, you know, they came in in the top of the 10th and scored two runs. Uh, Judge, uh, Judge and Rizzo had RBI doubles back-to-back, making it 5-3. Wandy came in in the bottom of the 10th. And Jeter Downs, who had just been called up, yes, Jeter Downs, named after Derek Jeter, he comes in and he gets his first hit in the majors in the bottom of the 10th on an RBI single uh, to make it five to four. And then Alex Verdugo had a, had a rocket of a single uh, into right field and uh, making ref Snyder and Jeter down score. And the Red Sox walked it off against the Yankees and won six to five. That was a heartbreaker right before the Verdugo at bat. Xander Bogarts grounded the ball right to Josh Donaldson. And it was a, it was a routine Double play ball. Josh Donaldson just mishandled it, lost the ball, and then had just enough to get Xander Bogarts to get one out. But it was it was an easy double play ball that would have ended the game and not even given Verdugo a chance to get in that bat. And, and he mishandled it, and it led to Verdugo on the next at bat getting the walk off. You know, with the Red Sox, you can never ever give them extra outs or any extra opportunities because that's what will happen. It'll cost you the game. Sunday's game was tough. Uh, the Yankees started off well again. You know, a two-run home run by a laser from Stanton, his 22nd of the year. Uh, then Trevino had a nice single and, and IKF as well, making it 4 nothing. If It looked like the Yankees were trying to take the series and were up 4 nothing after two. And then Franchi Cordero had a two-run bomb. Carpenter again hit a two-run bomb. He was absolutely dominant. His 10th home run on the season already in less than 100 at-bats. It's incredible what this man is doing. It's It almost reminds me of like the 2016 Gary Sanchez days of when he had 20 home runs in 60 games. That was incredible to watch. Um, but then Christian Vasquez, like the like I said, the, the, the Red Sox kept battling back. And in the next half inning, Christian Vasquez had a home run making it 6-3. And then Christian Vasquez next time up hit a double, making it 6-4. J.D. Martinez hit a two-run blast to tie the game at six. Aroldis Chapman came in and once again can't find the strike zone. But then he ended up giving up the sacrifice fly to Cheater Downs, which only limited him to one run. He ended up getting out of it, but he still got credit with the loss because that's what made it 7-6. Castro came in, and sometimes Castro can come in and look great and get the work done, but then there are other games where he just he has nothing going for him, and that's exactly what happened. He came in, he couldn't even record a single out, and let the Red Sox score four runs off him and uh, basically made this game untouchable, and the Yankees ended up losing the game uh, 11-6. Tyone didn't pitch that great either in this game. You know, he went five innings with six turns. He, he, his ERA jumped up to 4.01. They lost the games 11 to six and split the series with the Red Sox. They got a nice day off on Monday, but then now, you know, starting Tuesday, they, they battle against the Reds. And uh, before I continue on, let me, uh, let me bring on Enrique. Uh, uh, What did you think of this Red Sox series? It was a fun one to say the least. It didn't turn out the way we wanted. Um, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a split isn't the worst thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. Um, the two wins on Friday and Saturday were really 
entertaining um, for various reasons. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hicks, you know, he seems to be turning it around. That grand slam that that he hit on Friday night was awesome. Um, you know, uh, Gallo almost <laughs> hitting an inside the park home run on what was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Like, Yankees had two of those plays in this series, Sean. You know what I'm saying? You had the the pop-up in the infield, which looked like it could have been caught either by the first baseman or the catcher, which in any, and I'm talking any level of baseball, that's an out. You know what I'm saying? Usually that's an out. Even in Little League, that's either an out because it's caught or it's an infield fly rule and it's an out anyway. But nah, <laughs> Red Sox couldn't catch that ball. And that, you know, ultimately wound up helping us. The the fly ball to right field that Arroyo couldn't get where he looked like he was lost on an island. So, it, you know, it was an entertaining series to say the least, at least as far as those two games went. The other two, I mean, what can you say? The, the Red Sox, you know what I'm saying? They, they had the better of us in those two. You could argue though that, that game on Saturday, though, should have been a victory also because had Donaldson actually scooped that ball cleanly at third base and, you know, tossed it to second on time, that would have been a game-ending double play and we'd be talking a series win. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Sunday game, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. You know, hopefully, speaking of that game that, that Devers had against Nestor, he left that game. Uh, I don't remember if it was with lower back uh, stiffness or something like that. Um, hopefully he's okay. You never want to see that, even if it is a Red Sox player, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you never want to see anyone get hurt, even if it is a Red Sox or every, whoever player from whatever team it is. So hope he's okay. You know, we don't want Boston fans to come with any excuses that, oh, the reason we beat them is because their best player was out. No, we want to beat them at full strength. Bring on, you know, Devers the next time they play us. Hopefully he'll be fine. Bring on Chris Sale. Bring on anybody, bro. Who cares? At this point, I got confidence in this team against anybody, Sean, any team. Listen, as much as this team is a juggernaut, the thing is, is that there are days and sometimes even a couple games in a row where, the team continues to struggle and, um, you know, we're not invincible. You know, we can be beaten on any single day on any given day. And it showed on those last two games of the Red Sox series, we've been known to have one of the best and most incredible bullpens that, you know, anyone has ever seen. And the bullpen didn't show up to help us out while our, you know, our starting pitching also got rocked. So, you know, we, we do need some help. You know, we can beat any team, but we can also be beaten by any team. You know, we we split with the Pirates. You know, the Cincinnati Reds are no joke. You know, as, as much as I want to believe that they're going to sweep, you know, the Reds, you never know. They just went out and swept the race. So, you know, you really never know. I, I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. It's just uh, I, I definitely think that this team is just as good good as any team I've ever seen from the Yankees, but there are definitely holes that need to be filled or, or considered to be looked at. 
have a feeling I know your answer to this, but you think if it was the other way around and the Yankees were hurt and missing half their team and Boston was the one that was in first place and, and you know, we split with them, do you think they'd want to hear excuses from us that our players are hurt? No. No. no, bro. No, they'd be, bro. They would be shoving it in our faces and talking about, oh, excuses, excuses. And they would be laughing at us and saying, oh, there's no excuses. You play who's on your schedule and blah, blah, blah. We'd be hearing it all. So I don't want to hear it from Red Sox fans. I, I don't care. Come at me, Red Sox fans. If you are hearing this podcast, come at me. I'll put my socials after the podcast. I don't <laughs> care, bro. Y'all are garbage this year. Y'all are 14 and a half back. Yeah, we split with you. Fenway Park is no joke. It's a small stadium, small stadium for both teams. I get it. I get it. But we still got the split. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got us on Sunday night. We should have had y'all on Saturday night. And, you know, at the end of the day, no harm, no foul. Y'all didn't gain any ground on us. So exactly. congrats on your on your moral victories and your the World what Series did you in call July. It? <laughs> I was going to say, what did you call it off air, Sean? World That's Series right. in July. There you go. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it, Red Sox Nation. <laughs> enjoy it. We'll, yeah. we'll enjoy our actual World Series this year. Thank you I, very much. I'd like to think that they have more than enough to win the World Series. It really is going to take, for me at least, along the lines of, of a pitcher or in, a, in an outfielder, but mainly – mainly a pitcher, a uh, starting pitcher for one, you know, to, to limit some of the guys, some of the starters that we have. And, you know, I, I'd like to believe that we're, we're definitely a, you know, world series competitive team. Uh, I just think that there's more needed and um, you know, we haven't really had to face much adversity so far this year and, and face any problems regarding our pitching. I think our colors are being shown a little bit right now. Pitching is laboring a bit, and, you know, we're seeing our bullpen guys give up runs where we never thought they would, and even our starters are starting to get hit around a little bit, you know, from from Cole all the way to Tyone. You know, we, we let up a bunch of runs, but we all saw our offense has been strong enough to keep us in the game to score a lot of runs. So, like I said, man, I, I, I think we're definitely World Series contenders. I just think we need a little bit more. Uh, I want to mention – you know, moving away from the Red Sox series. We found out during the Red Sox series, though, that that the All-Stars were named. Uh, we found out first, obviously, Judge had made it. He was the top vote getter. So he automatically was a starting outfielder uh, for, for the AL. And then we found out a couple of days later that Giancarlo Stanton had outvoted George Springer and won the other outfield position to start in, in the outfield in L.A., which is – uh, Stanton's hometown, which was an awesome, an awesome thing for him. I know he was really excited by that. Uh, so those two will represent the Yankees to start the all-star game. Um, and then we found out also two days later, the, we had four other Yankees make the team, which is the most, I think the Yankees have had in about a decade. Uh, so we have six Yankees making the team. We have Aaron judge and John Carl Stan, like I said, you know, we got Clay Holmes, very much deserved. Uh, Garrett Cole, like we just mentioned before. And like I said, I was going to bring back Nestor Cortez. You know, the story continues. It's it's something incredible. Even when Nestor Cortez was mic'd up on Sunday, 
Anthony Rizzo came up, up to him and he was like, how does it feel to hear all-star pitcher Nestor Cortez? And you'll have that for the rest of your life, that that's where you are. And Nestor was so excited and he had the biggest smile on his face and, and that, that means something to him. And, you know, like him, someone like him and the guy I'm about to mention, mention Jose Trevino, you know, guys that you would never think could make the team or, you know, they're just kind of utility guys. All oh, this guy's a long reliever slash starter. All oh, Jose Trevino is kind of like a backup, sort of a starter, nothing too fancy. But they they came to New York and and showed out that they are top level in this game at their respective positions. And I got I love I love stories like that. I've mentioned that so many times on this podcast. I absolutely love guys like that. Underdog stories that you you. You know, it's great to have the Garrett Coles of the world make the all-star team every year. And, you know, it's to have a dominant pitcher like that. The Yankees have needed that for so long. But it's awesome to have someone like Nestor who, going into the season, we were debating on if he was a starter or not. And, you know, to see that happen. And, yeah, he slipped a tiny bit these last couple starts and whatever. But he's still rocking a 2.74 ERA. Right? Like, it's, it's just been a fantastic thing. I want to ask you because, you know, you're, you're in the hometown, basically. What, how did you feel? when you found out Nestor was an all-star. El orgullo de Hialeah, baby. That's what I call him on this podcast, man. And that's what he is, right. bro. Super happy for him. I love seeing the clip of uh, Aaron Boone telling him, get ready. You got to go tell all of Hialeah that you're an all-star. And he was smiling, bro. Even, even Boone, knows how much the city of Hialeah means to this proud Cuban, Nestor Cortez, bro. He made me so proud being a fellow countryman of his, you know, being a fellow Cubano, um, super happy for a man. Um, Brian Hoke had a very interesting article uh, that he did recently about this very um, topic about the Yankees having six all-stars. And the first thing he mentions in the article is how in spring training, Aaron Boone told Nestor while he saw Nestor looking around the locker room and looking like, confused if he would be on the team you know what his role was going to be he basically what we thought about him Sean you and I he knew he was thinking it himself he didn't know what his role was going to be or what his future was and Aaron Boone at that time and that's why Booney said it in in that you know clip that was posted to Yankee social media you know he, he started the conversation with Nestor saying remember what I told you in spring training to give people a glimpse of what that is is when he saw Nestor in spring training looking around and looking puzzled and worried about what his future was going to be Nestor asked him am I going to be on the team and Boone told him straight up looked at him in his face and was like on the team brother you're going to be an all-star you're going to LA this year he told him this back in spring training Papo you know what that is you know what I'm saying Boone Bro, Boone's got to play the lotto, bro, because, oh, yeah, he, that is tremendous foresight to see that from back then. You know what I'm saying? It's like he saw something in Nestor then that none of us as fans saw. And, you know, maybe Nestor didn't even see in himself. So props to Booney for seeing that and for having the foresight and the faith in Nestor to give him that opportunity and give him that confidence and be like, bro, you're going to be an all-star. Forget that. You're going to be in our rotation. We even spoke about it with Eric Bolin recently about, is this too many innings for a guy like Nestor Cortez who has never pitched this many innings in his career? 
You know what I'm saying? And I mean, it doesn't seem like it. You know, me and you spoke off air that maybe this this all-star break might be good for him to recharge the batteries. But even so, Sean, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's wearing on him. I think he's handling it just fine. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, the ERA is dropping. I see you smiling over there. Yeah, the ERA is dropping. You know, yeah, he's his he's declining a slight bit compared to what he was doing in the beginning of the year when he was sporting, you know, damn near a 1.00 ERA. I get it, you know, but but we expected this. We expected a decline. We we said it in, in an earlier podcast that we were not expecting him to keep that clip up. So, you know, the fact that the man still has a, a, an ERA under three, a whip at 1.03, he has 95 strikeouts, Sean, you know what I'm saying? And if I pulled up his, his strikeout to walk ratio, I'm pretty sure it would be damn impressive too. You know what I'm saying? So look, man, what else is there left to be said about this guy? He, he's exceeded everybody's expectations. You know, and I could say the same thing about Trevino, you know, what a story he's been. The man almost cried, Sean, when Boone gave him the news. He said to Booney, he said, if you had told me this a year ago that I'd be an all-star and that I'd be a, an all-star with the Yankees, I'd have called you a liar. That That's what he said to Boone, you know what I'm saying? And bro, I, I, I don't know about you, Sean, but... I lost count of how many times that man got up to hug Boone, to hug the, the other people in that office during that clip alone. You know what I'm saying? And that just shows what a good guy he is and how expressive and excited he was about being named an all-star. You got to give them their props. You got to give them their respect. You know, the man downright got that starting job and grasped it and did not let it go. The man deserved this. And, you know, kudos to, to Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Garrett Cole, you know, because like you said, it's it's nice to see them get there, but it's almost expected with those guys, especially with Judge. At this point, it's it's a surprise if he doesn't make it. You know what I'm saying? Stanton, you, you almost didn't know. You knew he deserved it, but you almost didn't know. And I'm so happy that the fans that were voting – noticed this and said you know what Giancarlo Stanton deserves to be an all-star and last but not least man Clay Holmes I mean what else can you say about him the guy nobody wanted the guy that Yankee fans were pissed off when the trade was made and now you're talking about the guy that not only has surpassed a role this Chapman as as the closer of the Yankees but he's being rewarded for locking down the job as being named the first time all-star. So, I mean, kudos to all six of these guys, man. What, what more can be said, you know? You made a lot of good points there, but I want to go back to what you said about Nestor. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I do feel Nestor is slowing down a bit. And like you said, like we, we did say he's, he's slowing down a bit, but I do think that the innings are catching up to him a bit. You know, he, I think his his career high in pitching has been like 93 innings, if I if I remember correctly. And right now, I think he's at 988 or 89. And so he's already hitting his career high as of how many innings he's thrown in a season. So, you know, and we're only halfway there and he started every single game, which he's never done before. So it's it's definitely something where 
it's going to definitely take a toll. And I think that's why the Yankees are so focused on getting another pitcher to give someone like him, Severino, and maybe even Tyone, who has, we've seen these last couple starts really start to struggle. I think those three, you got to get another pitcher, either a top number two, number three guy, or even, or just even a, a number four, number five guy to give Nestor Severino and Tyone every now and then, but mainly Nestor, like every sixth day, you know, give him some rest for someone, you know, we're, at this point, if he's at 89 innings about, I, I think I think he's probably going to average around 180 innings this year. So you, for someone who's only gotten, I think, 93, if I remember correctly, you know, in his career high in one season, going to 180, now you're talking about double the payload, you know, he's going to need breaks. So you're going to have to limit him a bit. And, and I think that's the only thing with him. I think it is starting to worry on him, but it's also – like I said on the last show, it's the June, July time where you really start to feel like we need the all-star break. He's at 88.2 right now, to be exact, um, in 16 games started. So I, I pulled that up for you. Um, yeah, man, like like I said, it's uncharted waters for him. But, I mean, we're going to disagree, and that's fine. That's the beauty of a <laughs> podcast. I think he can handle it. I think he can handle it. I think he'll be just fine. I think this all-star break will, you know, be a good recharge of the old batteries for him. You know what I'm saying? He'll be able to rest. Uh, He'll obviously pitch in the all-star game, so he won't be getting, you know, the complete three days rest that other guys that won't play in the all-star game will. But, I mean, how many innings are they going to pitch him, really? They'll pitch him, what, maybe one or two innings the most? So he'll, he'll, the starters usually get two. And then every, and then you you have to try to get every pitcher in there. So he might yes. get an inning or just three batters. And the all-star break is so important because, like, yeah, it's only three days of a break. But it's also, like, that's the time where you reset the rotation. So it's really mm-hmm. for him, like, an eight-day break to kind of, you know, get back into the second half. So that's what I'm saying. So it'll it'll be like a recharging of the batteries for him. So I think it it's a great thing that the all-star break is coming up for him right now. I think it's a welcome sight for him. And I think he's going to hit the ground running in the second half, man. I, I, I have faith that this man will continue the run he's on and, and he'll post some impressive numbers come the end of the season. Mark my words. Yeah. I, I, I will remember this because I, I think, you know, you have the possibility of definitely being right. And I keep my words. I do think that right now, I'm I'm probably in the majority of a lot of people that think that maybe he needs a little bit of a slowdown. You know, obviously the all-star break is so important, but I think that's why the Yankees are focusing on getting a pitcher, you know, from what I've seen. And it's like a perfect segue into the series we're heading into, you know, right now with, with the Cincinnati Reds, you know, the, the Reds have two top guys who I know a lot of teams are already looking at with Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo. The Yankees will see Luis Castillo against Nestor on Thursday. So, you know, that'll be a, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes going in on Nestor and on the opposite end, because I think, you know, he's definitely going to be looked at. And from the history of, of the red scouts coming to the double a and triple a teams of our affiliates to, you know, look at some prospects, obviously there, there have been conversations. I don't know with Castillo, I don't know if Mally or whoever, but uh, I think Castillo is definitely going to be someone we're, we're looking at with a microscope for, for this series. 
I mean, how many years has it been now that this guy has been linked to the Yankees, either, you know, with trade rumors saying that he's linked or the fans themselves just wanting him, you know, to be a Yankee? Like, it, it's one of those things, kind of like how the Joey Gallo thing happened. I don't know if you remember that, that he had been linked for so long to the Yankees as well. Even Garrett Cole, if you remember, he he was linked to the Yankees ever since his pirate days. You know what I'm saying? Even ever since he was a pirate, there was rumors that the Yankees were interested in him. So it, it's funny when you see these guys that, you know, the Yankees covet for such a long time. And when it ultimately winds up happening, it's like, yeah, okay, we're, you know, it, it loses its, its excitement or, you know, it's, it's luster because you've heard about it for so long that it's almost like, like a finally, like finally type of reaction where it's like, okay, finally, we can stop hearing these trade rumors. Now it finally happened, you know? So, I mean, would I like Castillo and pinstripes, bro? Of course, who wouldn't, but I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I'll pose the question to you. If, the Yankees, let's say, do make a trade for either him or or Mali. Who are you going to take out of the rotation? I just feel like, brother, and I know we're going to get into this, but I feel like there's no room for another starter. I feel like there's no room. I feel like the rotation is set. Ah, here we go, because I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm coming, I'm coming back at you with a disagreement because I think that um, you don't move anyone out of the rotation. I think it's going to be a six man. I think the Yankees will go six man and it's not going to be an, like an organized six man where, you know, everyone has their specific, you know, everyone comes in every six days. There's going to be someone like, like I was saying with Nestor or Severino every now and then where you kind of just plug, find ways to plug them in every six days and, you know, move things around. I think, you know, like Garrett will go every five and, you know, you might have Montgomery go every five and stuff like that, but you could see Tyone or even Severino and Nestor, kind of move around in the rotation might go in front of Cole for a day and then go back behind, you know, Nestor for another day. Like it's going to be an organized six man rotation with whoever we get. I think the Yankees are definitely going to go get someone um, because it'll make things easier. I, I know, which I'm going to mention in a couple minutes, I know Domingo Herman's coming back this week and people looking at him as possibly being a starter as possibly being a starter. Uh, I don't see it as, as being a starter because, you know, I know he won 18 games a couple years ago and, and, you know, that was all, you know, high and dandy and great, but I don't think the Yankees are too confident in having him as a starter. I think they like him more as a long reliever or kind of a backpack situation in case they can't get a starter. You know, he would be kind of a backpack role for a Nestor or a Tyone for a little while, even like that's what Clark Schmidt comes into play in that respect too because they can both do at least three to four innings on their own. So I think that's what the, the role is. I don't know yet if there's a Montas situation or a Castillo or a Mally or someone else out there you know, that the Yankees are looking at, but I think the Yankees should be going. If they want to win for real, you got to come in with a three-man rotation of Cole, someone two or three, and Severino. And then obviously you have, you know, you could switch it up with uh, Nestor or Montgomery being the lefty option, but I think you have to save Nestor as much as you can for October because, like I said to you before, you're doubling his innings this season, and it's a lot. You know, we saw it just last year with Taiwan Walker of the Mets. You know, he 
He was also an all-star. He had a 2.66 ERA going into the all-star break. He was 7-3. and three. And then he comes back after the all-star break and, you know, already hitting the 100-inning mark. And for the rest of the season went 0-8 with a 7.13 ERA. It just, it just shows that he gassed out, and that's something you don't want to see from Nestor. That's why I was saying to you, I think that the Yankees will definitely go get a pitcher to kind of be, I don't know what to what level though. Is it a number two? Is it a number four or five? You know, I think they'll, what they'll do though, is they'll get a pitcher and kind of, you know, move Nestor around to kind of get, give him a break. I think they're going to try to avoid him to go to the bullpen because I know that's been like talks that he should go in the bullpen, save his innings. But I think they're going to, you know, after being an all-star, I think they're going to want him to continue to be a starter, but just move him around to every six, maybe even give him a seventh day every now and then, just so that he can stay around 140, 150 innings and not 180, 190. But uh, I want to quickly wrap this up with, with two with two things here. Uh, the Yankees this week will be getting back uh, Domingo Herman, like I mentioned before. It, he was he was in Boston. He just wasn't active. You know he was he was pitching against Worcester, and then they he was with the with the team throughout the Boston series. So I expect him to get activated. I was also talking to John Brophy, who's a co-host on our, our show as well. He covers the Tarpons uh, for us down in the minors in uh, in Tampa, and he saw Jonathan Weiziga in his rehab assignment uh, for a game, and he said that he looked really strong. Uh, but he was kind of limited, obviously, because he was just coming back at the time. Uh, he said he threw 13 pitches, 11 of them were strikes. It was a perfect inning. You know, he's pitching in Scranton on Tuesday, and then he should be back with the Yankees on Friday for the Red Sox series. So I'm excited for both these guys to come back. I think now if you if they come back healthy and the guys that we know them to be, this team has just become even scarier. So I feel like the last four or five years, we've been battling injuries, battling injury, battling injuries. So to have everyone back, I'm really excited for this. And then now from here, you know, from the all-star break all the way till, you know, October, I, the, the, this juggernaut team, I expect to go all in into, you know, being a top seed into, uh, into October, because, you know, I know the Yankees have a 14, 15 game lead against everyone in the division, but that's not the concern anymore. Like, yeah, it's great. And I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, uh, picky about it or spoiled, but the top priority is beating Houston for the top record in the AL because they're only four games behind us. And when you face them in, in the championship series, division series, whenever the case, whenever it happens, you have to have home field advantage against them. They are a tough out. They're a tough team. We we've seen it already. They are a very tough team. So in order to have four games in the Bronx and that four games in Houston, you got to have the best record. And that's just how it's going to be. You got two games against them, a doubleheader against them, literally coming out of the all-star break. So, you know, you're, <laughs> you're definitely going to have your chance to, you know, separate yourself by two games. If you sweep that doubleheader right off the bat, leaving the all-star break. So that's, that's always a good thing. I mean, listen, I agree with you. I, I feel like, you know, getting as much separation from them for the best record and securing home field throughout the playoffs is the most important thing at this point. We're already halfway through the season. I don't see the Yankees 
having that kind of monumental collapse. So, yeah, I I 100% agree with you. You you got to handle your games against Houston. And, you know, obviously you handle your games against Boston because we still got a bunch of games left against them. You know, bury them, bury the bleep out of them. You know, uh, Tampa's not going anywhere. They're right there, one game behind Boston. So, you know, you got to handle your business against them. I don't see anybody else in the division or, or in the American league that can challenge us to be honest, except Houston. You know what I'm saying? I don't view Minnesota as a real threat. You handle your business against those four teams, Houston, Minnesota, Boston, and Tampa. You're making life way easier for yourself. Come October. I agree with you um, regarding those teams. I think definitely you got to take care of business against them. Obviously uh, you can even mention Toronto and they're, you know, they're, they're never an easy out. Um, they're, they're obviously going to keep battling to get into the playoffs as well. Uh, even Baltimore, which is playing almost 500 baseball. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about a bunch of AL teams that we still have yet to face, you know, even our West coast trips, you have to take care of as well. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams that we still need to take care of. But, you know, we got to start we got to start with uh, the team in front of us right now. And that's the Reds. And, uh, you know, who better than than our good pal, Clay Snowden, who covers the Reds and all of baseball for just baseball. It's a it's a weekly podcast uh, that talks mainly all of baseball. And, and he covers mainly the Reds. You know, he's got some great stuff. I, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this interview. He was a great guest. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening uh, and, and enjoy the interview. All right. Well, right now I would like to welcome on Clay Snowden. Uh, Clay, how you doing? I'm doing well, Sean. Th- th- thanks for the invite today. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, it's, it's always, it's always fun talking interleague, interleague yeah. play. We don't get to play the Reds that often. It's always fun to see interleague play and then see, you know, big names that the Yankees could be linked to. And obviously you guys have some rising stars already with, with Tyler Stevenson and, and Jonathan India and, and, uh, and, and others. So uh, I'm just going to get right into it. You know, Yankees Reds, what do you see as an X factor for the Reds coming to Yankee stadium and, and winning the series? Yeah. Anyone that's followed the Reds even slightly this year probably knows of two things. They're not good and they've been extremely injured. India's missed time, Castillo. Um, the list is up to about 20 players. That they're, they're the most injured team in the MLB. Um, however, that door has opened opportunities for other players. And one thing that maybe Yankees fans will be able to see is just um, some of the young pitching talent that the Reds have with Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft being three rookies, all with really high upside Um, In terms of the Reds, like just coming to Yankee Stadium in a lost season where you're not really playing for a playoff spot or anything, um, it's going to be a really good learning experience. Um, I know that anyone listening to this podcast has probably been to Yankee Stadium and I I have been there as well. And, you know, it's a tough environment. Um, Sean, I actually sat in right field and those fans in right field did not shut up the entire game, just heckling. Um, when I went, it was, and I know that this name will turn some heads, but it was Miles Straw out there. 
Mm. Um, this is last year, not, not not the incident from earlier this season. So it's a tough place to play. Um, a lot of young players for the Reds are going to have a good learning experience. I don't expect any wins. Maybe if they get one win, I'll be happy. Um, the Yankees are an absolute ju- juggernaut, the best team in baseball. And uh, you you don't have to, you know, play too many mental gymnastics to, to talk yourself into that. I mean, the stats are there. The, the team looks great. Um, so hopefully the Reds can come into New York and potentially steal a win. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, well, when you mentioned right field, you're, you're definitely mentioning the bleacher creatures. That's that. Yeah, I said the bleachers out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, you made a mistake there. It, they are loud, and they'll always be loud. Like that's just yeah. Who are. And I quickly learned, and I, I don't want this to come off as any slander, but they had some really good jokes, like um, some really good one-liners in the first inning or two. But by the sixth inning, the quality of one-liners had had dropped quite a bit. Um, <laughs> Quite a bit, but no, it was a good time. Um, the Yankees ended up winning that game as well. They are they are a very interesting group of people. They are very loud. That's those are the same people who be calling who call out you know the Yankee player names every single game and right like as the first pitch happens. You know, yeah. they're, they're they're saying I, I did not know about that um, as a thing. You know, someone who it was my first time. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was really cool. All the players like kind of turn around and give a nod to them. So. I actually thought that was really cool. And then they started, you know, heckling every single person on the other team. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a lot. <laughs> they make sure that their presence are known. But um, I want to get into a couple of your players because, as I was telling you off air and, and on air as well, that, you know, the Yankees and, and Reds are always linked to do some sort of trades or you know acquisitions you know last year the Yankees I remember sending one of my favorite players because I'm Mexican so sending over Luis Sessa was was heartbreaking for me and and Justin Wilson which um, thank you for taking Justin Wilson um but sending over Sessa was was what hurt me (laughs) it hurt because you know not many Mexican players are, are in the major leagues but and Sessa was doing so well that year but it worked out for us because we ended up acquiring other names and, you know, freeing up cap. But um, the Yankees have always had uh, had had business with you guys and always, you know, try to work things out. I know even this year there have been rumors of of potential red scouts being at double A to see, you know, the likes of Will Warren. And, you know, maybe there's some sort of deal getting worked out there. Maybe there's just talks. But uh, I, first, I'll start with the pitching. Big name that that Yankee fans want to talk about is uh, first Luis Castillo. I, I I cannot count how many times there have been rumors of Luis Castillo being a Yankee, yeah. especially for Glaber Torres, which would obviously never happen now. But yeah. you know, uh, what can you tell? Because you see Luis Luis Castillo basically yeah. at every start. Uh, what can you tell me about him? Yeah, so Luis Castillo is an interesting story. Um, he was actually acquired five years ago for Dan Straley, if you all re- can, wow, can remember nice. that name, um, a huge trade for the Reds. And he's just developed each year and gotten better and better. Um, fantastic pitch movement, a really smart pitcher as well. Uh, somebody who can go deep into the games, has ex- plenty of experience and a year of control left, which is huge, huge for any acquiring team. Now, of course, with the Reds kind of kickstarting their rebuild this offseason, 
round two of the rebuild will come at the deadline. I expect Luis Castillo to be moved. Um, in terms of trade deadline targets who are starting pitchers, the two that are going to headline the group are Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo. Um, you can argue who's number one, who's number two. I think they're both aces or high-end twos in a rotation. Um, in terms of the Yankees getting Castillo, with that extra year of control, it is going to drive up the price a bit. Um, no, we, you know, Yankee fans, you can no longer say Clint Frazier and Miguel um, Andujar as, as the return for trades. You know, those days are are long gone. But in terms of a return, names that I've seen the Reds interested in, um, Wells, the catcher, who I know is really good, and Yankees fans probably don't want to trade. Um, there's a left-handed pitcher in your all's organization who's really come on the scene this year. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. So and just base, yeah, just baseball, the company I write for had a top 100 come out and he was on that top 100 before the season. Um, really good pitcher. The, the Reds are going to look for multiple players and the price is going to be high considering how little, you know, starting pitching is on the trade market this year. It's going to become a bidding war. Um, I expect the Reds to get a really good return for Luis Castillo. And I know that the Yankees have the prospects to do it. I don't expect Anthony um, Vol Volpe to be in the deal. I don't expect Jason Dominguez to be in the deal. Um, you know, maybe Peraza could get in there. I mean, there, there's definitely names and options. The Yankees have the prospect capital to add to their major league team a ace or, in this case, a number two for without subtracting from their major league roster um, in a season where you're looking like the best team. If you can do that, I say do it because championships are rare. They don't come around too often. I know I'm saying that to a team with 27 of them, but um, <laughs> as you know, Sean, you've got to, you just got to go for it sometimes. And yeah. um, I know it's, it's from a different perspective than Yankees fans, but if I were a Yankees fan, I would say, okay, trade, wells trade you know a pitcher trade whatever you need to trade anthony volpe will probably not be traded the other ones I, I would be willing to move yeah i would say because when we hear that as yankee fans we're so used to how brian cashman operates and how he tries to uh find deals and you know look for diamond in the roughs and you know obviously you know, he'll look for something that no one else is looking for. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we get those trades or those signings, everyone thinks like, well, what the heck is that move? Like, how is that going to help the team? And then somehow it does like, obviously the Matt Carpenter deal has worked out great. Yeah, it has. Yeah. When we traded for Clay Holmes in Pittsburgh, what we were just uh -oh. mentioning on my last episode, you know, everyone thought like, Oh, what, who, who is Clay Holmes? And then obviously he's turned into the closer and the, one of the best relievers in baseball, so, you know, like sometimes Cashman looks for players that you don't normally think would get the job done. Obviously, he ha he's not incredible or, or, or perfect because he has he has messed up before last trade deadline. He, he got out. He got Andrew Heaney and that had blown up in our face immediately. You know, yeah. he was such a backfire. And, uh, you know, so we'll see uh, with, with Luis Castillo. Uh, I could definitely see, obviously, like I was mentioning before, Will Warren would probably be in that. Um, I don't think the Yankees have any issue putting in Os uh, Oswald Peraza yeah. in there because 
the Yankees are 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 so stacked in the shortstop yeah. position in the prospects. You know, we have Peraza, Sweeney, uh, Volpe, obviously. You know, we have Arias coming up soon. You know, like we have so many guys. There's so Plus, many. Flavor Torres is playing at a level that I don't think many fans thought he would play at going into the year. And those names you just mentioned, I'm sure a lot of fans thought would have to replace Glaber Torres potentially. And now look where he's at. Um, so it even makes them potentially more expendable. Yeah. And that's the thing too. And that's why when we moved um, Glaber to second and got IKF, I um, you thought, all right, this was kind of like a stopgap sort of thing, mm-hmm. maybe just for a year or two, but IKF has played to a pretty decent level. Um, and he, he plays great defensively, even though he's had a couple of blunders here and there. So it, it's, it's great to see. And obviously the Yankees are projected right now to be at the world series. I don't know, or, you know, face the Astros in the, in the championship series. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but like you said, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you, you know, some, there are years where the Yankees are great. And obviously the Yankees have had a, had a winning record for the last, I think, uh, 27, 28 years. So, you know, every year is great for us or good and whatever, but this is the year obviously that stands out from being very different. It feels very 2009-esque or very 1998 for us where it just seemed yeah. like we're destined. It's more of the 98 year, I think. I, yeah. I, I think this team's much better than kind of the trajectory that the 09 team was on. Um, and I'm that that's probably music to Yankees fans' ears hearing that coming from a non-Yankees fan, but um, – <laughs> This team is so legit. Um, the Yankees have much fewer holes than most teams do. Uh, another guy I want to I want to ask you is uh, Tyler Maley. Malley, yeah. Malley. yeah, I knew I was messing it up. Everyone says it wrong. Yeah, so Tyler Malley is a really interesting case as well. Extra year of control, starting pitcher. Um, if you just glance at his stats, you'll probably say, "What's that special about Tyler Malley? He's twenty seven years old." Um, so, you know, if you acquire him, if you want to extend him, you can get him through, you know, kind of his quote unquote prime. Um, one thing you need to consider with Tyler Malley is his home slash road splits. In Great American Ballpark, a hitter's ballpark, his career ERA is over five. On the road, he's like right around three. Um, a, a really good pitcher, frustrating at times, nibbles on the edges a lot. Um, has struggled in the past with pitch count getting too high in the fifth inning or something like that, you know, kind of early outs. Um, You'll get that sometimes, but he's an electric pitcher and you can count on him giving you a seven inning or six inning, two hit, 8K outing it quite often, actually. Um, He's somebody who's really going to benefit from a trade, I think, and getting out of great American ballpark. Um, However, he just hit the IL so it's a 15 day IL. So he'll technically be eligible to come off the IL before the deadline. I don't know anything about the level of severity. Um, you know, it, it's not season ending or anything. And um, I expect him to be able to still attract suitors at the deadline. Now acquiring him is going to be a little bit cheaper probably. Um, but one thing I could see with him that's different He's a few years young, younger than Castillo. And because he's slightly less expensive, I think the suitors will be more. So you're going to be bidding against more teams 
So in reality, like, is he as good as Luis Castillo? Probably not, but it's still going to cost a lot to get a 27-year-old with an additional year of team control. He's not going to come cheap. It would still be a, a few good top prospects. And that's not me having a Reds, um, you know, glasses on here. Um, I'm, I, I, I have no problem kind of removing myself from the team and looking at it from a whole MLB perspective. And, you know, that that's what I'm required to do with my, with my job. And, um, I think Tyler Malley is still a top five option for starting pitchers on the market. So he's not going to come cheap. We're talking similar prospects to Castillo, maybe just one less prospect than Castillo. I, I can definitely see us trying to get someone like that. I can even see, you know, competing division teams with us trying to go get pitchers like, you know, Castillo and them, especially like someone like the Red Sox who, you know, struggle mightily with pitching and they do have just enough prospects to get some deals done. One other thing to keep in mind, I should have mentioned this earlier. Um, the Blue Jays need starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Luis Castillo is a fit there. If they can come up with the package, Tyler Malley is not a fit. Tyler Malley is not vaccinated, um, which makes him not a fit at all for Toronto. Now I know the next question is, okay, well, AL East teams have to play Toronto quite a bit. I was just checking the schedule here and, I think the Yankees only play Toronto one more series at Toronto. And, and I think the most important thing about this deadline for the Yankees is not to think of it in a mindset of we're up this many games. Why do we need to acquire somebody? Just forget about the rest of the season. If you want to and just focus on the playoffs, you often will shorten rotations. What if Nestor Cortez gets put on? I wouldn't say an innings limited. I know everyone hates. Oh, that. he is. He's going to be. So at, at, in the playoffs, perhaps he's a bullpen arm instead of a starter, um, which I would hate to see. And I love Cortez so much. Um, there, we, we actually did an interview at Just Baseball with Cortez that's on our YouTube page in the offseason. And he's so much fun. I highly suggest checking that out. He, he, he talks all about the turtle and tells the turtle ah, story yes. and everything. So it's fun. But, <laughs> um, so if you have a rotation with, you know, Cole and Castillo as your potential one twos going into the playoffs, shorten that rotation. Um, that's where it really matters more. So just keep an eye on Nestor Cortez innings. And he's he's kind of struggled the past four or five oh, yeah. outings a little bit. Yeah, I know he had that good one two outings ago last night, or I guess um Friday yeah, night's outing yeah. was far from perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think a high-level starter is more of a need than a lot of Yankees fans may see. He's been great. But, you know, the top, the most he's ever pitched is 93 innings in a year, and that was last yeah. year. And, you know, starting yeah. and coming off the bullpen, out of the bullpen, and he's already at 89, you know, this year or just about. So, you know, he's already topping out at his, at his career high by the All-Star break. So, you know, Yes, the, the Yankees know he's going to be on an innings limit. Severino might be a little bit on innings limit because he's he's performing great, but some you know the Yankees have already made it known that you know they they push him to like five days and then they'll do every six days and then they kind of give him the extra days where where he can have it and then we'll have like you know JP Sears or someone come up and, and spot start, which is another name the Reds might be looking at too because he's ready now and he's been he's been great for us, but um. That's why I think the Yankees are, are – if the Yankees are for real about winning a championship, 
it, you can't just go out and get, you know, like a number four, number five type guy to, to just, you know, make it easier for Nestor to have certain days off and whatever you got to go out and get a number two, someone that's right behind Cole and have someone like a Cole, whoever Castillo, whoever it is. And then Severino behind him. And then a lefty with, with Montgomery and Nestor right there. You know, that's what the Yankees need. still tie on too. who, you know, yeah, exactly. And it's a perfectly and, fine pitcher. I, I think yes. he gets too much hate from Yankees fans. I know he's not perfect, but he's a solid pitcher and he's, you know, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable saying completely reliable, but um, he he's perfectly fine in a, in a good pitcher for what he, what the role is he's going to play mm-hmm. once they the Yankees acquired a, you know, someone of a Castillo level. I wanted to ask you real quick, right before we finish up here. Um, we talked about the pitchers that obviously could be on the move for, for you guys. Um, anyone like, like we, you know, we mentioned off air, Brandon jury, can you see any of any of these guys, Mike Moustakis, anything like that, getting moved as well? Yeah, I could see um, mostly the position players are going to be smaller deals. Um, if anyone wants Mike Moustakis in that contract, they can have him. But I don't think any of them are going to draw too much attention. Now, the one outlier there is Brandon Drury, who Yankees fans know a little bit too well, probably, and have a bad taste in their mouth. Drury's been fantastic this year the best hitter on the Reds, and that's including a team with Joey Votto, who's not been very good this year. Um, Brandon Drury is 30 years old and kind of having a breakout season. When that happens, and he's a free agent at the end of the year, when that happens, you don't get the returns that many Reds fans think you'll get. Um, A lot of, you know, if he was 24, 25, 26 with this type of season, maybe so. There's a lot of baseball in Brandon Drury's career that has not looked like this. Um, so teams will be skeptical about that. They probably view him as a high-level bench bat who can play outfield and infield or a injury replacement. Um, you know, if the Braves wanted to replace Ozzy Alves, who's injured, like, for a little bit, Brandon Drury could fit in at second. It's it's that type of player. Um you want to add in an extra prospect. I'll tell you what, John, we'll, we'll give you your guy, Luis Sessa back. Who's been terrible this year, but (laughs) if you need Luis Sessa back and uh, he was great last season, just not this season. Yeah. I I wish it was, it was that easy for, for (laughs) to get him back. I I always liked him. I know not a lot of Yankee fans do, but he had a good, it was funny because he had so many years of a little bit here, a little bit there playing, and wasn't very good, and the Yankees just kept giving him a shot. And then the one year he starts to kick it into gear, last year they trade him. But the Yankees do have a player, um, Wandy Peralta, out of the bullpen, former red, former extremely frustrating red Wandy Peralta. It just shows you how inconsistent and up and down um, bullpen arms always are uh clay i I gotta say man thank you so much for for coming out i know it's a little bit on short notice so i I appreciate you you taking the time uh i'll I'll give you this time now to to tell everybody what you do and and where to find you yeah so my company that i write for it's called just baseball at just baseball.com you can find us on tiktok instagram twitter all that um only a, a i guess you'd consider as a startup um just barely hit over a year old but um, we put out content every single day, multiple articles a day covering every single team, 
Um, we also cover collectibles. We do baseball cards and um, gambling. There's a gambling. We do prospects. Arm Layton is a prospect guru who covers it nonstop, puts out our own top 100. Um, and we also do fantasy. And you can find us on YouTube. We have all kinds of podcasts, including podcasts that come out every single day. So if you're looking for some baseball content, um, and we're based out of New York, te- technically, I-, I live in Kentucky. We're kind of all over the country, but the office is in New York. So check out justbaseball.com. And Sean, thanks so much uh, for having me on. It- it's always fun to talk about other teams than the Reds, too, because I cover at every team. So uh, I've never been on a Yankees podcast, so I can check that off the list. There you go. See, it worked out for both of us. Yeah. But uh, Clay, I got to say thank you again for for coming out here it, it, um, and answering some of my questions. You know, I put you on the spot a little bit there. but Oh, I no worries. It. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it. I, thank you so much. But um, that's going to be a wrap for episode 25 of the Hottest Skeena podcast um, from me. Enrique and Clay, of course, as a special guest. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Yanks.